Keep our churches in prayer. It's, it's obvious. I mentioned Wednesday night, if you were listening, when I was dealing with consciousness a lot. It's obvious that, uh, especially here in Chicago, we, we've got a lot of people dealing with a lot of things. And so we, our churches need prayer, man. You know, we're, we're human, aren't we? Anybody in here not human? Uh, we're human, but it's that spirit that works within us all. That's a pretty awesome thing, isn't it? But the one thing about it is, is that everyone needs encouragement. Everyone needs uh, purpose and hope. So the way to do that, pray, pray, speak the word of God, prophesy, put, you know, when, when we're put into prophecy and things, that's a, that's a real work of God. And we thank, we're thankful for that. So uh, keep California in prayer, Vesalia, uh, Pastor Brian and, and Yuma and Pastor Kenny and uh, Pastor Dave out in Boise right now and uh, Gary and Don there as well. So all of the saints for sure, right? So we've got a good thing going. And, and so, uh, you know, I was thinking about some things that Rick have said through the years and I remember uh, back in the year of 2013, we were all in California. Uh, a lot of us were in California, and it was the night that Rick preached on a Friday night in the conference, laid hands on all the elders, deacons, ordained everybody, and then uh, turned it over. Uh, pastor Brian was the, uh, the host pastor. He spoke for a minute, and then I spoke for a moment, and I'll never forget, I made a statement that said, we're all in this together, and we're going to finish it. We're going to finish what God started. And Rick spoke up and said, not only are we going to finish it, we're going to finish it with increase. And I thought, <laughs> okay, right on, let's go. And I'll never forget that. We're going to, not only are we going to finish it, we're going to finish it with increase. I hang on to things like that. You know, I hear those things. And so there's a reason why the word of the Lord moved in Gary for a while about sitting at the table and going through the valley of the shadow of death will fear no evil. Why? We're sitting at the table. There's reasons why God puts the word of the Lord in certain leaders. Even if it's for their learning at a time, there's reasons why leaders come a certain way. I don't know if you ever really knew that. It's not always necessarily at that time always for the church. Sometimes it's for the person but I'll tell you what, there's reasons that that word of the Lord came up in him to speak to our church. Do you think that's because it's possible that, yeah, you will have to go through that valley and learn to sit at that table? And so always keep in mind, those things are important. They're very important because they mean something to us. They help guide us. They help put purpose in us. And that's one of the things we've got to, to be able to do is walk through the darkness. You with me on that? Amen. So not only will we finish what God started, it, it will increase. It will increase. 
So, we're excited to be here? Yeah. We talked about Wednesday about consciousness. Last Sunday I talked about loving the Lord with all your mind. And really been thinking about that this week a little bit. Pastor Brian, him and I have been talking. And I think Tim mentioned it Wednesday a little bit about that question about ministering to Jesus. He preached on that last week. And one of the things he emphasizes is, is about where this ministry is taking place. How many of you know that the Lord is within, within the Son of God? How many of you know that the, the Lord is within the daughter of God? And so how many of you look to minister to him by joining yourself with the sons of God? Isn't that how you do it? How many of you have been to heaven and worshiped the Lord? Interesting question, huh? Well, let's put it this way. If you have, you didn't bring this body there to do it. You brought the angelic body, the spiritual son of God, the daughters of God, all of the angelic part is what I'm saying. And you worship God through that perception. Isn't that cool? So if you had that consciousness, you could do it. Now, I know this because, why do you think? If you've learned to worship God the way they do it in heaven, is that a better way than trying to do it from the earth? It is. Well, you would have to agree with me because you say, well, in heaven they worship God. Let's say, what if I use the term 24-7? Would that make sense to you? Okay, that would relate. But in heaven it's called eternity. So it's, it's like, how do angels of God worship God nonstop? Because they don't have the idea of sleeping and the relevance of day and night in their minds. It is always now and consistent in worshiping God. If we could bring that idea down to our world here, which we can, we could worship God like they do in heaven. How would you be able to do that? Now, we know your flesh will fail, won't it? Anybody ever prayed all night long? Let me see your hand if you've prayed all night long. Okay, we got one or two hands. But my point is, when I tried to do it with the flesh, there's always that weakness that comes up. But now we're realizing in consciousness, you could do it. In consciousness, you have abilities that would not be in the flesh. So why is it important to exercise your mind and your conscience in the things of God? Because you want a strong mind. You want a strong consciousness. You want a consciousness that is full of the presence of God. If it is then you will be able to do it like they do in heaven, in the earth. And therefore, your consciousness will worship God, serve God, be faithful to God, and it will be much easier than trying to do the works of the flesh. Now, what do you got to do until you have a strong mind? So some of you may have strong minds in the things of the world. 
But what about in the spirit? A strong mind believes God. A strong mind loves God above all things. A strong mind trusts in God. A strong mind knows that God will answer prayer. And a strong mind will work in the spirit because God cannot fail. So in the mind, in the consciousness, can God fail? Or is God not quite perfect yet? Have you ever thought about this? How important is it to have a mind and a consciousness that knows that God cannot fail? It's important, isn't it? It's very important. Yeah, because when everything in the temptation of the mind, when it comes against you to tell you several things, in Matthew 4 and in Luke and in Mark, when it talks about Jesus being led into the wilderness and the devil coming to tempt him, if you're the Son of God, if it happened to Jesus, will it happen to every other Son of God? Ever. It'll happen. If he tried to tempt Jesus not to believe that, will he attempt to seduce us? As sons of God. Yes, he will. But Jesus had a strong mind. What did that consist of? I already told you. He believed the word of his father. He trusted that it was true. Now that's important. Rigo, if you don't trust that God's word is true and you think there's a lie mixed in, you won't believe it. You won't follow it. You have to believe that the Word of God is true, even if you don't understand it. Now that's important, and I keep saying that, but I'm saying some very important things that help you walk in the Spirit, be an overcomer, love God with all your heart. This, the mind is very important because it's how you live. It's what you give your thoughts to. Most of the time, well, let's take a parable, for example. Have you ever been in a dark room? Does it play with your mind? It does, doesn't it? How many of you have ever um, been in a situation? I'll give you an example. I was at a, the cabin in Donnelly with Pastor Dave one night. One of the early times I'd ever been there. It's kind of out in the country, the mountains. Bears, bobcats, yeah. He wanted me to go outside in the black dark and get firewood. Uh-huh. Bears, bobcats, <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> lions, tigers, let's throw that in there. <laughs> let's throw that in there. You know, you, you go out there, your mind plays games with you immediately. The point is, consciousness plays with us, doesn't it? The mind plays with us. And I think about how the world creates these settings. But these are all fun and games I'm playing with right now, with this, those settings. They're fun. It, something bad could actually happen. But 
we deal with real world stuff every day in our life. How well do you deal with it? How well do you deal with real world stuff and not be convinced that you're not a son of God? Like, do you still know in real world events every day in your life, when the lies come into your mind, do you still know you're a son of God? Is your mind strong in the belief that I am a son of God? I'm a child of God. I'm a daughter of God. I am a brother to Jesus. How many of you have those thoughts in your consciousness that you know when I go through my life, I'm going to think the way God has imparted his word to me. Is that the way you're thinking? Because I want to challenge you today on that. That's a lot of of confidence when you have the word of the Lord working in you. And when you don't, fear comes in and Satan comes in and says, oh no, you're not, you're not son of God. Tell you what, if you're the son of God, turn these stones to bread. Now that's important because What if Jesus would have doubted he was the son of God and then had to prove he was? Would he have tempted God himself? Yeah, he would have failed. He didn't have to prove he was the son of God. He was because God said he was, Keith, by an oath. And so it mattered that God said it. So instead of Jesus having to go into his own works of the flesh, he relied on the confidence in his consciousness that God said, I'm the son of God. Can you do that? Instead of going into your own works, say, for example, if you say, man, I feel like I'm not a son of God today. Well, let me get my Bible and start reading for a little bit. Could that be trying to turn the stone into bread to convince yourself that you're a son of God rather than believing the word of God and letting it be settled in your heart? That your consciousness says, no, God said I was. I'm not believing that lie. Or do you need to go perform a work to prove it's true? Is that that making sense to you today? It is, isn't it? We're so easily convinced in our minds that we're not what God has said that we immediately go to works to prove that we are. Who are we trying to convince? Trying to convince yourself. Does that mean your mind, your consciousness has failed you in that moment? Yeah. And I'm saying... God says it, and he imparts it into your consciousness. It's true. God cannot lie. You remember Isaiah, not Isaiah, yeah, Isaiah 55. My thoughts are not like your thoughts. 
My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So what does God want to do? Rain down on you. Good day to talk about rain. Rain down on you the word of God so that the word can come forth and grow up in you. Some of our biggest failures in life when it comes to serving God is just simply not believing what God said was true. If we rise up in that consciousness and know that God's word is true, it's not a lie, you know what will happen for us? We'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We'll fear no evil. And we will cast out lies from us. And so that, that consciousness is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Uh, Dave, t- pick up uh, Hebrews 10. We've read this a few times through the years. Keith read it, has read it quite a bit, I think. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. Wave at me when you got it. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. What what is that actually saying? Somebody tell me what that's saying. Speak it out. So just bringing your sacrifices of the law, that's not going to make you perfect, is it? It's not. Were they commanded to do them? Yeah. But you know what they learned? And they learned it. It wouldn't make you perfect. Now, my question is, though you're not in the same law that Israel was in, Have you learned that trying to follow the word of God by a law does not make you perfect? Have you learned that? Yeah? I hope so. If you haven't, maybe you're not working it enough. Work it more. So it'll teach you. But it can't make you perfect. Let's read verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. In other words, Jesus came put an end to all those offerings. If it made you perfect, we would be doing them today. We would be copying what Israel was told to do in the Old Testament. Would that be true? So if it made you perfect, Brad, why aren't we still doing them? For perfection, I'm saying. Because the worshipers once purged If it made you perfect, the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. Now this is the key to all of it. If the works of the law and your own sacrifices which you do of the flesh cannot make you perfect, then they they fell at this one very important thing. What is it? They can't remove the consciousness of sin. Wow, that's big, man. So reading your Bible, can it remove sin on its own? By you just reading it every day? 
Don't throw it out. <laughs> Hear me. <laughs> Don't give up on it. Can coming to church in the flesh here remove the conscience of sin? It could sure cheer you up. It could sure inspire you. It can, it can build your faith, sure. But when you walk out that door, if the mind and the conscience still is of sin, what's going to return to the forefront? Sin, failure, lust, doubt, pride, whatever, right? So it's when you're dealing with love, you have to know that the offerings that God has always required of his people, because there still are, none of that can make you perfect when it's done in the flesh. So then what do we need? We need the Spirit, don't we? Why do you think our gospel is of a spiritual nature so much? Because we know that we need the Spirit to overcome sin. So uh, you say, Jesus did that. Yes, he did. But where is Jesus? Where's Jesus? Say, you could say a few places. Where is he? Is in us? Where else? Is in heaven? Where else? In the sun? Right on. I love it. In the sun. Where else is he? In the word. Ooh. Well, that, that goes to a point there I want to get to. Back to reading your Bible. If the Spirit of Christ is in you reading your Bible, what happens to you when you read your Bible? Is it just a work of the flesh? Or is it a communication with Christ himself? Woohoo! That's awesome. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's awesome. And therefore, if you're reading your Bible by the Spirit of Christ, you're, you're in conversation now. You ever had that happen, Micah? Where you're in conversation with Christ, reading the Bible? Oh yeah, me too. How many of you have ever been reading the Bible and the Lord take you into the Spirit and show you that part of the Bible in the Spirit? How it happened? See, that's, that's awesome. When that happens, now you're in good conversation. Not that you're not in conversation because I don't go into a vision every time I read it. But I know the Spirit of Christ is there, ministering, changing. What is he doing? What is he doing when he's talking to you? What do you think the Spirit of Christ is doing in your consciousness? There you go. Removing the flesh. Sowing his consciousness in it. Because Jesus wasn't a man who believed that he was of the flesh, was he? He knew he was of heaven. So if you're in conversation with Jesus, what's he putting in you? A consciousness of what? That you belong to heaven. 
So what kind of consciousness do you want? I'm of the earth or I'm of heaven? Yeah. Uh-huh. Did, have Dave get that verse. Where's that at? See, we, we are, what, what did I talk about Wednesday night? There was two verses, renewing the mind. That's what it was. When you renew the mind, is there a translation taking place? God's taking you from one place to another. Isn't that awesome? Colossians 1.3. Isn't that awesome? Megan, get the microphone. Give her the microphone. Let her read it. 13, yeah. That's what I meant. Colossians 1.13. Yeah. And it says, I'm going to back up uh, to 12, actually. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. That is huge, man. See, Paul understood something here. Delivered us from darkness? I mean, this is consciousness, right? Where is darkness? It's consciousness, isn't it? That's amazing. Delivered us from that by translating us into the kingdom of his son. Rick preached years ago another teaching at a conference on the world of Jesus. And he talked about what it was like in the world of Jesus, in him. That, I'll never forget that. That was kind of a life-changing teaching. What does it show? It shows how Jesus thinks. How he perceives the world. How he perceives heaven. See, if you have this consciousness... Can you perceive heaven like he did? Well, the question's going to be, can you perceive the earth like he did? The world like he did? How many of you have found that you've spent more of your consciousness on earthly things than heavenly things? It's all right, let's be honest. I would venture to say that that is normal. For most people. Matter of fact, I think it's a rarity for those. You take a guy like Paul, Jesus automatically, but you take a guy like Paul who laid down his life to such a degree, his mind had to be in such a heavenly place to lay his life down like he did. Most people will never reach that height in that place. So you have to understand that. But why will they not reach it? What do you think? Is it because God said you can't? Or is it the willingness of each individual? See, consciousness deals with how willing you are too. So if I love the things of the world, what am I going to give my consciousness to? Things of the world. Well, this ain't, it's not like you haven't heard this before. If I give my mind to the consciousness of the word of heaven and I have that communication with Jesus, often, often, then what's he going to sow into me? 
I'm going to start thinking like heaven more. So really, when I look at how faithful I am or you are, it's not about I have to do it to be saved. I do it to be like him. You hear my difference? Saved is good. Everybody in this room has lived for God and has been saved. But there are some who will excel more to be like him than others. Why is that? Our will, our desire, what we want out of life. And therefore, imagine giving your consciousness so much to God talking to me through Christ, through the prophets, through the angels, through the word of God in all of them. And it filling my consciousness with those words. I would start thinking more like him, wouldn't I? Now, is that what we live life for? Or do we live life for ourselves? Which one? Come on now, testify to me. You live life for God. That's why you're here. But the good part is, God knows. This is why I think, I think Wednesday night I, I really dove into some of these things that are very important about how we judge one another. There's some important things in there. I know where you are. I know where I'm at. I know where Rick's at. I know where Gary's at. I know where Brian's at and the elders and Dave and Keith and uh, PK. I know where the deacons are, the saints of God. And everybody's different. Everybody has a different desire. Everybody has different understanding. There's one thing we all have in common. We love God at some level, don't we? We want to serve God. We all have that in common. Sometimes your level of willingness depends on the need that is present from God. That's another subject we can get into. Maybe I'll, I'll probably write something on that. And, but consciousness matters. So let's put ourselves to a place where we let the Word of God sow into us and we know, we understand that the works of the flesh or the works of the law by the flesh is not what God is pleased with. He's pleased with faith. He's pleased with love. He's pleased with your believing. These are spiritual things, not fleshly. So when you do it from the heart and the mind toward and you give it to God, God receives that. That's awesome. Therefore, the consciousness of sin is removed when you believe God. Did you hear what I just said? The consciousness of sin is removed when you believe God at his word. Now, Rigo, if God said, you're a son of God. Now, listen to me, everybody, very closely on this. If God says you're a son of God, is that forgiveness? Is it? 
Or did you need God to come down and say, well, you did this, 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 and this, and I'll forgive you for all of them. No, that's humans. That's humanity. Well, this person hurt me. I need them to to say they're sorry so I can forgive them for this. God says, you're a son of God. That's your forgiveness. I just wiped away every sin of being the old man, the son of perdition. Now, is that powerful? I mean, I'm, I'm floating on a cloud right now thinking about that. And as God says you are, it changes you. That is why don't just pay attention to, well, I need God to specifically tell me I'm forgiven of every little thing. The minute he says, you're my child, you're part of my kingdom, you're part of my family, <laughs> I'm forgiven. Just like that. See, God knows how to work forgiveness. And I think about that. I've I've learned that too, is that uh, if God has forgiven you, he treats you like you're forgiven. That's different than the earthly too, isn't it? If you're going to forgive something, you treat them like they're forgiven. So Micah's often testified, Micah, how many times has Rick treated you like you were an old man? Even when you were. Correct. And he treated you like you're a son of God. Yes. So in his consciousness, he forgave you. It was you that didn't believe his forgiveness. Isn't that something, Deborah? So we're on to something here, aren't we? So I come along after, and then I have to tell you. Which happens, Micah, you're not an old man. You're a new man. All of a sudden, there's the connection for you. It wasn't like you weren't told the first time. It was just that you just need to, needed to be revisited. How many of you have needed to be revisited? <laughs> yeah, me too. You know who's still getting revisited? Right on. All of us. Over and over and over again. How many times? And it's working. Why do you think that is? Is it possible that God knows that he needs to set up, which would be called sowing? Because if you really looked back at something, you got to go all the way back to Rick sowing a lot of stuff. You think I've preached things different than he did? I come along and I start watering all of that sowing. And then we come back along and what do we do again? Water it some more. And water it some more. And then who steps into play? God. And what's he do? Oh boy, he brings the growth, the increase. So all of this, you know, I found something interesting that Paul said there when he quoted that, when he wrote that verse about 
One plants, one waters. Remember that? Paul planted, Apollos watered. He goes on to say the one that plants and the one that waters is, are they anything? They're not anything. But God who gives the increase. You know what he's making a point of? While I do appreciate our connection here in this earth and this love and this work of God that God is doing, while I appreciate that more than anything else in my life, what God is doing, I also know one thing, that God could use somebody else because he's God. And God is what matters. And here's the good part. If I was to die today or tomorrow or the next day, God would still be here. Isn't that awesome? What's that tell us, John? God gives the increase. So what consciousness do you need to have in your mind? I appreciate the consciousness that you have toward the ministry here. It goes a long way. And you should have a great consciousness toward the ministry. But greater than that, what should you have? A great consciousness of God. And that's what we're going to have. We're going to have a good consciousness of God. Are you working through your consciousness? How many of you deal with a lot of struggles in life? It's okay. We do, don't we? Not at some more than others. And I, consciousness is your answer. We say, well, loving God. Loving God with all your mind. It'll help you. There are some of you that have been in great fear that have been delivered. There are some of you that have been in pride and arrogance that have been delivered. It was a change of mind, a resetting of the mind, a renewing, a going to heaven. That's what we want, don't we? I love it. So I want you to start paying attention and for a little exercise... I've done this before. Let's do it again. If you remember, I ask you to start paying attention to your thoughts during the week. How many of you remember me doing that? How many followed through with the exercise and learned something about yourself? Do it again. And when you see yourself doubting or full of all kinds of thoughts that are not of God... Pay attention. For what reason? You need to cry out to God and get in fellowship with him so he can remove that from your thoughts and fill it with something new. You'll make the trade? We'll make the trade, right, Brad? If you were here Wednesday night in person, you got a lot of good things taught to you about trade after the WebEx ended. Some good trade. I love you guys. God bless you online. We'll see you tomorrow night.